Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Man on the Post, a European football podcast featuring myself, James Rowe, and tonight I'm joined by Scott Munro. Scott, good evening, how are you? Good evening, James. Yeah, I'm not too bad. You okay? Yeah, very well, thank you. We're here on a new podcast for Man on the Post to talk all things about European football. Well, hey! <laughs> and uh, yeah, hopefully there's a gap in the market for yet another European-based football podcast, but we do have extensive knowledge of lots of different things, so uh, many listeners will learn many things. Yeah, so I think it's best for us to start with um, the Rome derby. What do you think? Yeah, definitely as a, a, a big derby over the weekend. And uh, as, a, as a Roma fan myself, um, I was very happy with the, the outcome. 3-1 victory in a, a tense derby. And, uh, as you would say, James, um, as you watch games in Holland, derby games are very tense. And yeah. a tactical battle. Um, you probably had one yourself last week in not a derby but PS, PSV Ajax mm-hmm. which went completely one-sided but um, with the week that Roma have had it's been a bit up and down uh, last weekend they got beat 2-0 by Bologna absolutely horrible and it was a, a, a disgusting performance but Bologna who literally scored their first two goals of the, of the season last week against Roma mm-hmm. and it wasn't the greatest start of the season but coming into it they beat Frozen only 4-0 on Wednesday a very very confident boosting win where the game was over after 35-40 minutes so we're three and up at half time and yeah. it literally killed it and then going into a Rome derby it's like the form book is always thrown out the window um, evidently I didn't get to watch the game myself I've seen highlights because I was at Swindon Oldham which ended 0-0 and yeah. uh, <laughs> it could have been watching a different game but very pleasing result um, I was watching the highlights pleased for um, a couple of the goal scorers in Lorenzo Pellegrini and uh, Fazio, Federico Fazio, have had quite poor starts this season, along with Kolarov, who evidently got the second and is an ex-Lazio player himself. Mm. But hopefully this result can kick on Roma's season because they've got a couple of winnable games coming up. They've got Victoria Pilsen in the, uh, the Champions League at home and they're away to Empoli. Yeah. And, then, um, and then they've got the international break and then they've got Spal at home and then Seska at home in the Champions League, which I'm going to. Oh, wonderful. Really yeah, which I'm looking forward to go to. to that one. Yeah, as a fan of Roma and as an expert on Italian football, how would you describe to listeners, how would you describe the Rome derby? Um, it's a bit died down at the moment. Uh, I would say over the last couple of years, uh, attendance haven't been the greatest. Um, I would say back in the heyday, the Channel 4 era, and just probably just after that, it would be a bit more intense. You'd probably see a bit more choreography and a bit more um, like fan 
like you probably see a full house for for both games. Uh, I think the attendance yesterday was fifty thousand, and the Olympico holds seventy two. So that's twenty twenty two thousand empty seats, like a couple of years ago, where Roma won at the Olympico, or actually won away at Lazio. They both shared the ground, so they won. Uh, Roma won four one, and there was probably about twenty thousand in mm. the ground. So the last couple of years, it's not been. Like attended well, um, the football's been good. Like both teams like to play open, attractive football, um, but it's not well received when you've got half the, uh, the half the stadium not full up. Hmm. I, I can imagine. And uh, what made you choose Roma Sesca? Was that a deliberate choice, or did that happen in terms of uh, time off work and uh, being able to get a ticket and things like that? Uh, the latter time off work um, I've got a week off in October and like it's quite hard to get where I work I work spoiler I work for Nationwide in in Swindon so uh, a well known company so it's quite hard sometimes to get time off Um, okay uh, so yeah I managed to um, have a look at if there was a game during my week off and I was like yes Champions League game I would would have missed a Swindon game so it's not the end of the world they're at home to Cambridge so yeah it's not. It's not a biggie. It's not like I'm missing like a massive game. Um, but yeah, tickets through the Roma Club website now is a lot easier than going through via Gogo. On the Roma website, you can actually click where you want to sit, and they give you like a 3D view of where you want to sit, so you can literally choose a seat. And for 60 euros, it's not too bad for a Champions League ticket. No. I, paid, I remember paying like 80 odd euros for Roma Real Madrid a couple of years ago, and that was a bit. A bit extortionate. Yeah, well, it's all it's all in in the experience. I myself have only ever seen Ice Roma play once, and that was at Highbury in to, uh, February two thousand and three when it was one one. Uh, is that the game? Is it Cassano or Totti got sent off? Totti got sent off for elbowing Totti. Martin Keown, and Cassano <laughs> scored when he looked about twelve years old. Yeah, he looks about forty now. So yeah. But, um, yeah, that was a, a nice experience to see one of the biggest teams in Italy. And, uh, yeah, wonderful experience for you as well, being a Roma fan. to yeah, be able to go to games as yeah. well, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. As I say, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be able to do it with Arsenal, living here in Amsterdam. And I recently attended the Europa League game against Polska, uh, both, uh, Wolska Potava and, and Brentford in the League Cup. And when you can watch your team... Um, in another country or living in another it's country good. It's, it's it's good and it's a lovely privilege to be able to do and um, I'm sure the Roma fans as well listening tonight would uh, would appreciate your advice on the uh, how easy it is to get tickets now on the Roma on the Roma website oh god yes it took me two three minutes and like if you knowing like trying to get tickets for like watching football like in a different country you have to go through ticketing websites with like Viagogo mm-hmm. or Ticketmaster or something like that if they do like bundles of tickets but going through the club website it oh my god it's so much easier and you've got they do PDF files so you yeah. can just print the ticket off for you yeah. so yeah it's so much easier and to hopefully try and go out and see a couple more games this season for him I managed to do four in the last two years mm. so hopefully do a couple more yeah, it's still, it's still it's still very good to be able to do that amount in a in a couple of seasons, especially living yeah, yeah. living abroad. I think that's uh, I tip my hat in that respect. I think uh, I think that's uh, very impressive. It's, uh, it's I think it's all due to timing as well with games. If you want to pick and choose and like the ticket pricing and like flights, accommodation, 
it's like it all comes into one okay very very interesting we will now move on uh, Scott to the Madrid derby Yes, another, there's a, a derby weekend. A derby weekend, but a good derby weekend. Romeo and Lazio has a fantastic reputation for a derby, and so does Real Madrid uh, Atletico. This match was played in the Bernabeu. I myself was in Tallinn back in August for the uh, UEFA Super Cup final, which Atletico won 4 2. And the rivalry, as we know, between Real Madrid and Atletico is very much big brother, little brother. But it, given the impact that Simeone has made, and uh, the trophies they've won and how serious they've become in terms of contenders to win things, the um, it's becoming a, a full-blooded derby. Last night was a um, was a nil-nil draw. Chances for both sides, but I think I think a draw was a fair result. Um, I didn't get to watch the game because I was watching another game myself. Sadly, I watch a bit too much Serie A for okay. my liking sometimes. So last night I was watching Inter Carry, but I've seen uh, like eleven sports here in the UK. I've got the rights for both leagues, and I've just seen the chances and that. It's like uh, Jan Oblak again proving why he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Yeah, I think um, I think he's he's very very flexible and very very alert. And as someone who's watched Atletico live in the semi-final of the Europa League against Arsenal in London, uh, the final itself in Lyon and the um, and UEFA Super Cup in Tallinn back in August, I'm ju- I marvel at their back line, Scott. I marvel, I marvel, I marvel at the positioning of their back line and the simplicity of the communication of the of the back line all speaking one language all being able to communicate with one another not just verbally but also with um, hand gestures just to let them know just to let their teammate know that everything is alright and they work in unison and they work as one and they really do re- reflect Simeone who I think is a is a tremendous manager and um, I think it's great to see the, the strides that Atletico has made since, he's, uh, since he took over in this his seventh season Seven seasons of one club, especially when, um, excuse me, um, Inter Milan was sniffing around him a couple of years ago to replace him after Mancini left. Um, I, I agree with the defence. Um, it's unbelievable when you've got Godin, Jimenez, Stefan Savic, uh, Teo Hernandez, uh, like Felipe Luiz at the back and Juan Fran. Um, just all know their jobs all know what they have to do and I know they had a bit of a rocky start to the season but mm. they've had a very good week like uh, I think they've won three three and a, uh, not two, two in a week so they picked up seven out of nine while Real Madrid got absolutely walloped at Sevilla mm-hmm. during midweek and were coming off an absolute hiding so it was like a, a nothing to lose game for Atletico um, it's interesting because right, both Real Madrid and Barcelona have had like Stuttering weeks and Atletico have absolutely caught them up, and I could see them being more more of a threat to like, uh, to the top two this season. I can't see it being another ninety five plays ninety season in La Liga. No, no, I think the depth of the 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 depth of the league has always been well documented, and um, I think with. Uh, I think it's it's been known for quite some time when Real Madrid go to Sevilla, it's always difficult, and uh, that proved the case for them last uh, last midweek too. And it's the depth that the, that the league has. You see today that Villarreal playing at home to Valladolid, they lost one nil. Uh, you oh, saw wow. midweek, you saw Barcelona losing to Leganes. Yes. And these results, although they're shocks for for particularly uh, Premier League readers. 
it just goes to show the depth of the league where you you can't really predict many the outcome of many games and we also saw last weekend with um yesterday sorry with Barcelona slipping up at home to Athletic de Bilbao and um so yeah. results can be unpredictable in La Liga it's especially when Bilbao got beat 3-0 by Villarreal mm. and um Pablo Fornal scored probably one of the goals of the season from about 45 yards out goodness yeah, he loved the keeper, yeah. So it's, it's like, um, I would probably say the same with Serie A as well. It's very unpredictable. you got Sassuolo, who are playing AC Milan tonight. And AC Milan are 15th and Sassuolo are 3rd. So mm-hmm. anyone can beat anyone. Indeed. I, I have um, previous correspondence with Sassuolo, having interviewed their then-Dutch defender Timo Letschert when he was uh, at Sassuolo last season, but he's now currently on loan at FC Utrecht. And you know, in, in my interview with him, he's, um, he couldn't speak highly enough of Sassuolo in terms of the organisation and the changing room and how everybody, uh, how everybody made him feel welcome. And for people who want to read that interview, as we're now discussing Spanish football, just off the cuff to let you know about Sassuolo, for people who want to read my interview with Timo Letzkred, you can uh, check it out on my Twitter feed or you can tweet it out uh, you can check it out on uh, worldfootballindex.com yeah, Sassuolo are a very well organised club and they've got a very good coach on their hands in uh, Roberto Di Serbi who uh, was with Benevento last season and nearly had a miracle of keeping them up ok very very interesting um, we will now move on to the resurgence of Borussia Dortmund Scott they have reached, yeah. the, su- they have reached the summit in Germany uh, at last after Bayern Munich of, uh, after um, a not very good couple of games and then they got beat by Hertha Berlin on Friday night um, I think they drew with Augsburg no Augsburg not uh, they drew in midweek and yeah Borussia Dortmund Jordan uh, Sancho has had a, a very lovely start to the season I don't think he's had many minutes but he's assisting quite a few for them yeah well, I think I think it's great that a young British player is playing his trade trade abroad, learning a lot, and becoming uh, becoming important in a successful team. And I think he'll learn a lot under current manager um, Lucien Favre. And I, and I can imagine if you've got Marco Rose as your teammate, you you can learn an awful lot. Oh yeah, especially if you've got um, Paco Alcacer as your leading striker. Not leading striker. I know he's just recently joined the club on loan from. Barcelona and it's just taking its time to settle in into a new league mm-hmm. it's like if you've got the, the type of players that they've got Royce he's an absolute wonderful player if he stays injury free he's going to be probably one of the players of the season in the Bundesliga mm-hmm. and then they they won 7-0 uh, in midweek and, and did brilliant, brilliantly well to come back from 2-0 down uh, at Bayer Leverkusen and yeah. quite a few German experts I followed uh, follow on Twitter said that um, Leverkusen were title contenders and um, Dortmund was 2-0 down and come back to win 4-2 and Lucien Favre's he's working his magic he's got previous at other clubs yeah. and, and he's, he's done well in Germany he's done well in France mm. as, as, you, as you, you told me on previous podcasts James mm. that you see them in the flesh his knee sides and yeah. they actually do play quite good football they do I saw his knee side in the 2-2 draw against Ajax here in Amsterdam last August and they looked very very tasty on the eye I think as we know Leverkusen away for most German sides is a tricky it's a tricky test and they uh, they passed out with flying colours being going 2-0 down as well 
In particular with Lucien Favre, I recently interviewed um, USA international Fabian Johnson who had Lucien Favre as, as his manager at Gladback, and he was telling me that when Favre took over, he would be on the training ground and Lucien Favre would, would instruct him to undertake certain defensive situations using his left foot or using his right foot. And um, and Fabian Johnson would would think to himself, does this really matter? What foot I'm using? Does it, it really? He thought it doesn't really matter, but then he realised that the instructions he was receiving is helping the defence and is therefore helping the team. And he he often states that um, that the 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 amount of organisation that Lucien Favre gave to that Borussia Mönchengladbach team was the reasons that uh, they were so so successful in his first season and I think um, I think Lucien Favre I think it's a great fit for him Borussia Dortmund um, they wanted him originally uh, before they uh, before they went to hire the then um, Ajax manager Peter Boss uh, so they finally got their man in terms of the manager they wanted and with the setup they've got and the youth they've got it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Borussia Dortmund challenging in the Bundesliga this season someone has to challenge Bayern Munich's dynasty and they can't keep going back to Heinkers every time he's in his 70s so something has to give I fully agree and I, I stated before the season started Scott that Niko Kovac who was manager of Frankfurt last season uh, I personally believe there's certain managers and cer- certain personalities Excuse me, but can manage certain clubs, and I just feel that uh, I just feel is Bayern Munich the right fit for him? You know, even though he uh, has history with the club, to manage that club, you need to be uh, you need to be a big personality. You need to have everybody pulling in the one direction. And I was on a podcast this afternoon discussing the the Bayern Munich Ajax game this Tuesday, and I wonder if. That Nikol Kovac knows what his best Bayern Munich team is. Uh, I, I don't think he does. And oh, um, yeah, no, and, I sort of agree because he's brought their five, six games into the season. Yeah. bit of a wobbly start. Yeah, yeah. And uh, many, many changes. Also, with the substitutes he's chosen, and it's a long old season as we know too well. But I think it would be healthy as well for the dynasty to finally be broke. Because I think I'm think I'm right in, in saying that if Bayern Munich are victorious this season, it's the seventh, it's the seventh consecutive German league title for them. And we had that many many years ago in uh, in France with Lyon, and it's not really the most healthy thing for domestic football, especially at the highest level in the country. Yeah, we're probably going to get it in Serie A with Juventus, where they look like they could get their eights in a row, and that's like it's not it's not healthy for the league, but it's. Is you have to try and break that dynasty. So yeah. hopefully, in the in the leagues that we've been talking about, you might see teams try and break it. Yeah, I think we'll see. We'll, we'll see some some fair few teams triumph at the end of the season that we didn't necessarily expect over the European leagues, and we'll uh, we'll shine a light on that, and we'll uh, try to give information as much as we can. Also, I'd like to point out to listeners as well if they have any questions regarding European football they'd like to ask us in particular with uh, Scott's uh, Italian football expertise and obviously as a, a British person living here in the Netherlands with the Eredivisie you, you, uh, you've certainly found your man so if anyone has any questions going forward for future pods we're going to do feel free to send them in and we'll always try to give them uh, the best answer we can
yeah, don't hesitate to ask. We 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 uh, we try to uh, answer many questions as we can. Indeed, we do. Is there any final points you'd like to make uh, as regards to European football uh, on this podcast, Scott? Um, for any fans in the UK that like to try and watch football, I know Premier League is like it's like thrusted down us. Don't hesitate into watching games like in, on the French and German leagues. You can watch it on BT Sport, and if you want to watch La Liga or Serie A or even the Eredivisie, there's yeah. always good games going on. Um, for for those three leagues, you can watch it on Eleven Sports, which is now a, an online subscription, and you're getting games for, probably for five pound six pounds a month for like 50 quid a year you get probably oh, I'll say there's about 10 12 games a weekend so you're getting very very good value for money yeah and I think it's nice for people as well to uh, to cast their net wide and learn different things because obviously the Premier League is, is served to us in gigantic portions but it's a big old world out there, and when you can see things that not many people see, it can open your mind and open broaden your horizons. So it's a, it's a very very good thing. Couldn't agree more. Okay, well we are going. That that's it for our first European Man in the Post European Football Podcast. Uh, we'd like to thank you for listening, and we would also like to uh, to pass on the ret- uh, respective Twitter handle. Scott, your Twitter handle for people who want to ask you questions, maybe or pick your brains about Italian football. So it's um, at Scott underscore Munro, and Scott is with one T, and Munro is M-E-N-R-O-E. Okay, and uh, listeners can catch up with me on at James Rowe and L. Should they have any questions about, in particular, Dutch football or Spanish football or a little bit of French too? Uh, you can also check out the Man on the Post. Uh, we have many, many quality podcasts in the offering, unusual efforts, and... Um, in my life and uh, um, Man on the Post extra time as well so feel free to check out there really is something for everybody so feel free to check it out and uh, and see what takes you fancy finally I'd like to thank the listeners for listening and giving us uh, giving us your time and please don't hesitate to get in touch in future